0: The six thirty Chad afternoon news with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross weekdays at two on six thirty Chad. Well,
1: once again, uh, the airlines making news in the headlines, and oftentimes it's uh,
0: all uh, a bit of confusion. Well, I was going to say, oftentimes we have a segment called. Airlines behaving badly, Uh or we call it people behaving badly on on airlines. airlines. Um, I think we should probably call this, uh, I'm not sure who's behaving badly on Air Canada. (laughs) Just not sure who
1: got this one right or wrong.
0: Yeah, me either. So a woman, Heather Morton is her name. She was flying business class on Air Canada from Frankfurt, Germany to Toronto. This is just on April 21st. Uh, She typically flies economy class, but she was traveling with her four-year-old son, I want to say. Um, And she decided to give him the full experience. So she bought these expensive uh, business class tickets. She was ticketed that way. Now, they knew... That it was a child. Mm -hmm. She bought her seats. They were next to one another, as you would assume they would be. But then about 90 minutes prior to the flight, she was told that the seating arrangement could no longer be accommodated. Uh, Air Canada customer service staff said she would have to sit behind her son for safety reasons. So I don't really understand that, but I'm sure there's something that's been researched that would suggest that given the width of the chairs or the reach of the person, I, there must it, be something. It had to do
1: with the, um, the uh, air, in case the air yeah, was needed, the
0: if the oxygen bags dropped, that she would be better but able... But s- it still
1: doesn't make sense. No, it, it really, and to me, she, it doesn't. She asked Air Canada to produce the policy to prove such a rule
0: existed, and she was told that they couldn't do that. Right, and here's the thing. Uh, you know how we sort of have, a, in court cases, you have kind of an agreed statement of fact mm-hmm. so that even though you're not on the same side, there's certain things that you will just agree are a truth. So among the very few things right now, and there's no lawsuit yet, um, the, the th- among the things that Air Canada and, the, and um, Heather Morton agree on is that she wasn't belligerent. So nobody's saying that she raised her voice or caused a scene or anything else. She just wasn't going to stop asking for proof that that was indeed a policy or a guideline of Air Canada's. Now, once on the flight, she asked again Mm -hmm. if she could rearrange the seating. She wanted to sit next to her son. And again, on the flight, she was told no for the exact same reason, for safety concerns. Now, whether or not the crew had already been notified by the gate Mm -hmm. that she had a problem, so tell her this. I can't imagine why Air Canada would want to inconvenience a passenger just for fun.
1: But you know, she wanted to make sure the kid's four years old. She wanted to make sure she could help him eat, get to the bathroom, and and, and be right there in case he needed anything. Because those pods are are different than just regular chairs, seats, right? right?
0: So now, having asked to see this policy and having been told that um, they couldn't produce mm-hmm. the policy. Um, Gino, you know, and, and, and on that note, let me just stop there for a second and say there's a lot of policies on airplanes. So I don't know that the crew is in a position to print out the policy at any given moment and show a passenger. I don't know if it's available online and that they would be able to show it that way, but they're they're prepping the plane for takeoff. She's already been told by the gate that this is the way it has to be. The mistake maybe was made earlier when she booked the tickets and they had no problem with it. So something in their system failed them. But now the captain comes out and just says, that's it. You're out of here and boots the two of them off the plane. So, and according to her, Uh and again, Air Canada agrees that, yeah, the captain asked her to leave and he has final authority on a flight. She says the conversation with the captain was all of 15 seconds and that uh, um, the captain said, you're going to have to get off my plane. And the crew said, you don't have any right to question policy on an aircraft. Now, Air Canada at this point, according to her, and not Air Canada, did nothing. So she got off the flight. They didn't say, well, we'll reschedule you or anything else. So she went ahead and bought two more tickets, business class, and... um, And wants a refund for the first set of tickets. So that's where it stands now. However, a consumer advocacy group Mm -hmm. uh, did their uh, due diligence, and they looked at uh, Air Canada's domestic tariff rules, and they pointed out the guidelines on the transportation of passengers under the age of 18. And it says this. Children under age 8 which this child would have been, must be accompanied by an adult age 16 or older when traveling. The accompanied adult <laughs> must occupy a seat in the same cabin and be seated adjacent, adjacent. adjacent to the young child. So their policy doesn't seem to support what they were telling her. So now whether or not this policy was written prior to having this type of plane in their fleet, or if this the policy's not been updated yet, whatever it is... It would appear as though that is not their Mm -hmm. policy. However, everyone she dealt with seemed to believe it was. So I don't even know who's behaving badly here. I just know that, again, airlines should probably be aware of the fact that any situation like this is going to make news around the world. Mm -hmm. And that has been the case since we dragged a doctor off a plane in the States. So any time you're asking a passenger to leave, guaranteed... It's going to make it's news. It's going to make news, right? Now, there's no video of it this time. There's no... And as I say, both parties agree it was very civil. Well, it's near Canada flight. It was Canadian. So very sorry, civil. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep, sorry, sorry. Yep, sorry. You must but she
1: leave. said, you know, she had to get up about 15 times to help. But he's a four-year-old. It's not like he was a, even a 10-year-old. He's a four-year-old.
0: See, you know, as I read this story, what I thought was going to happen, mm. and it didn't, I thought that Air Canada was going to say, for whatever reason, we didn't realize it was a four-year-old and we don't want a four-year-old in business class. That's what I thought. And maybe that, no, that isn't the reason because they did allow the child to be there, but she had to sit behind. But I always thought the reason they called it business class was that there was no children there.
1: No, no, no. Business class is how much you're willing to pay. I guess so, yeah. (laughs) I took a business class from Toronto to Heathrow um, 10 years ago. And in that business class, there were three young children, including two young twins, like just born, maybe a couple months old, who screamed, the entire yeah. flight over. Now, hey, I got bumped up, so I was, I'm not complaining, right? Right. But there was a business guy over here who was trying to get some rest, and he, I, I can remember him like head up one time taking the sleep mask off, oh, ready no. to lose it. <laughs>
0: really? Absolutely
1: ready to lose it with it all.
0: Yeah. Do you know, there was a story last week that we didn't get to, and you just made me think of it, and I'm looking to see if I still have it, and I don't. So I can't give you the specifics, but I remember saying to you on Friday, hey, do you want to end with a really feel-good story? And this was the story. So I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't say what airline, but it doesn't really matter. But a guy had been seated next to a woman and her child on a flight, um, and I think a long flight, too, and it was connecting to go somewhere else. And the child was throwing having mm-hmm. a meltdown. And I, I, I might even, I, I think it might have even been two children, one on her lap and one in the middle seat, and then this guy on the aisle, or, or sorry, other way around. she He was in the window. She was in the middle seat, or a little girl in the middle seat. She was on the uh, exit, on the uh, row uh, seat with a small baby. And Meltdown inc- occurs, and she's got her hand full with the baby. She's trying to, and you know these days you're yeah. like, ah, oh, cameras are going to start popping out. So what this guy does instead is he says, "Look, I'm a dad. Um, can I help you? Out can here? I help you out here?" And helps the child get some crayons out of the bag, get some paper, starts drawing with the child, uh, lets the child look out his window and he's pointing out things, basically entertains this kid for the entire Mm -hmm. flight. And like that wasn't metal worthy all on its own. And I'd, I'd, I'd really rather tell a story like this. And I I aspire to be this guy in conversation with the mother discovers that she's on a connecting flight that he's also on, but they're not seated together. (laughs) So he goes to the gate and, Makes a specific request to have him move to sit next to them, so, so that can he al- can oh, so he can keep helping he can out. help out for the rest of the flight. That's nice, really nice. I'm not sure that I am that good. I'm pretty sure I'm not. In fact, in fact, I'm confident I'm not. <laughs> but good you.
1: Three seventeen coming up. We'll have another edition of the Hoot with uh, Todd Hurst joining us. Uh, just after the 3.30 news, plus some prizing to give away today.
0: Ooh, what have we got, Do you know ah,
1: At the top of my head, I need to remember. It's
0: going to be great.
1: Mm-hmm. Whatever it is.
0: So, uh, as I said, a 787 is this uh, Air Canada flight, and I'm not familiar with the 787. That's why I said that this story is slightly confusing to me. Now, a listener who is says the only adjacent seats on a 787 in business on Air Canada are one in front of each other or across an aisle. The two together are separated by a wall, so you can't access, um, thus not adjacent. The policy was adhered to and properly get someone who knows the aircraft. There you go. As I said, I don't, so I'm I'm starting to see what the issue is here, but then why was she allowed to book the seat in the first place, and why does their policy not state that? Mm. Those are the two problems. Bill's on
1: the phone. Okay. Okay. Hey, Bill. Hey there. What's on your mind?
2: You know what I find humorous about a lot of this stuff? Back 20 years ago, I read In Search of Excellence, and there's a great story in there about Frederick Mars uh, realizing that the company policy handbook was about 100 pages long, so he hands it off to six guys and he says, cut this in half in, in six days or you're all fired. And then when they get it down to 50 pages, he handed it to uh, another group of people. He says, cut this to 25 or you're all fired. <laughs> and when he got it down to a one-page company policy, he was fine. And every single time these airline behaving badly stories come up, the word policy is about the ninth word in the story. Yeah. And I always think of Frederick Mars and one-page company policy.
0: You're absolutely right. I think about that all the time. I see contracts all the time, and you know, much like policy, the word—I don't know if lawyers are paid by the word or what—but to say that if the policy was simply that that an unaccompanied or an accompanied child under the age of eight must be within reach of the parent, then they could easily demonstrate without pulling up the policy why he's not within reach of his mom, and it would have just been settled right there. But instead, the policy reads differently than that, right? And it doesn't encompass all planes, because obviously that policy doesn't encompass the configuration of a 787 with pods.
2: I'll bet you Air Canada's policy manual required about a 400-acre swath of the boreal forest <laughs> to print off one copy. Right. Like, really? Well, oh, that was really well know. crafted. That's that statement
0: Air. was very well crafted. <laughs> That's White House oh. correspondence uh, yeah. dinner craft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well,
1: there you go. Thanks, Bill.
0: <laughs> Have <a good> one. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of getting things in writing. <laughs> Excuse me, yes. Uh, the people kept asking this question. Every time we talk about the Metro LRT line, uh, people ask, well, Ooh, why tick is it? TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, why don't we not pay them or whatever? And, uh, and I've often tried to figure out if we owe them any money. So it turns out we do. The city has already withheld $17 million payment to the company until the problem is resolved. That's the company, you know, fails, right? They have to fix the signaling system on the metro line. Um, and as you just said, TikTok, right? We're getting up to the deadline here of when they have to to fix the problem with this $600 million line at what what point do we at what point do we give up and get another company in to fix it?
1: I, I would suggest at midnight tonight.
0: Yeah, because I heard Andrew Knack say last week on the news that if they missed it by a day or two, that's no big deal, but uh. if it's gonna take weeks, then it is. But I would suggest that you miss it by one minute. I would think at this point you withhold rest of the payments, sue for um incompletion and it's been 3 move on. years
1: of mistakes and and problems with that tracks they December they said hey you know what figure it out by was it May 1st mm-hmm. how the problems fixed by May 1st well tomorrow is May 1st
0: yeah there, let uh, you know, listen there, I'll wait till the uh, deadline comes up but if I was a betting man at all I would suggest they're not going to have this fixed by the deadline. So we need to, and I'm sure the city is thinking about what they're going to do next. Obviously we don't pay them the rest of the money, but you know, it's funny to have a conversation with a consumer expert like Julie Matthews just a moment ago about how you pay contractors and how much you should pay up front. And, and yet we seem to have paid them a great deal of money uh, and not gotten the results whatsoever. I, I think we're at the point now of bringing in a company to fix this. And, and, Regardless of what that fix is, whether it's changing the signaling system for all lines so that they cooperate with each other. I mean, let's figure it out and stop hoping that this company can fix it.
1: Listen to this report from the CBCA. The $600 million line has been plagued by problems since it opened more than a year late in 2015. An audit that year revealed the contract with Thales um, was poorly managed and that updates and delays weren't communicated properly to city council. The company was asked for an update but was told to contact the city of Edmonton. There have been 50 signaling mishaps, including two instances on November 11 when two trains were heading towards each other on the same track.
0: Uh, Never good. They both got green lights. Here's a thought for you in in talking to Julie and talking about how when you hire a contractor, you should make sure that they've got WCB and, mm-hmm. and building permits. And, uh, you know, those are uh, administered. Many of those permits are administered by the city. So we're saying that, hey, hang on a second. The city's got our back. They're protecting us by uh, certifying these companies and requiring us to get permits. But you didn't have that same due diligence when spending $600 million on an LRT?
1: Hello, Daily Dell. Hello. Hi. Here's the problem with this whole system. One, I
3: had friends that worked on the train line. The first problem, you had two different companies working on it. One Mm -hmm. was doing the construction, the other one's doing the signaling. First problem with the signaling system, it was designed for elevated trains. It was Mm -hmm. never designed for street level. Second problem, TALUS would go and set up and lay out their uh, communications lines and uh, comm boxes and everything else. The other company would then come in and pour cement into it all, because that's what they were doing. So Talus would then have to go back and have that company remove the cement that they just poured in to fill these holes, so that they could re-put their communication lines in. And that's how the whole construction project went, from start to finish. So by the time they wanted the trains running, Talus was still trying to fix the things that the other contractor had wrecked of theirs.
0: And let's not forget that we've got two systems attempting to cooperate with each other that are completely different designs.
3: Yeah, the only fix you can actually do to fix this is Remove both systems and put in one new system. Oy, oy, That's oy.
0: exactly where I was going. Uh, the
3: software, more than anything else, at this point. That, right exactly.
0: Point. That's exactly, and I didn't finish the thought because I thought I would upset people. But I said a moment ago, at this point, we have to figure out whether it's a matter of fixing it by getting one system for the, all the lines that play well with each other. But you know, there's going to be this massive cost associated with that, and but that it may be the only solution at this point but we need to know
3: yeah i saw an estimate it's about 58 million dollars to do that and that would tie the entire system back together properly how much Um,
0: 58 million okay take a look at what
3: happened with the phoenix program for the pay system for the Um, uh, canadian government they were first told this system didn't work they were immediately told it doesn't work so they went well what's the cost going to be 124 million dollars to fix it oh we're not going to do that so what did they end up spending $700 $700 million not to fix it. So government needs to stop trying to run as a business. They don't understand how it works. You bid, you let them bid for the contract that's to cover the entire contract, period. That's the end of it. They were saving with the Talus and the other company building the train track. They were going to save something like $72 million by doing it between the two of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, what has it ended up costing us
2: mm-hmm.
3: over that time frame? Probably double that amount of money. You yeah. know, stop trying to save money. Let people bid on the contract as is, and you'll get the best professional bid on it. That'll cover everything you need.
1: Thanks, Dell. Have a great week. You too. <laughs> my gosh.
0: People are still defining adjacent Adjacent. for us, yeah. (laughs) As a result of that story about Air Canada and their pods. I mean, Dell's right. In everything he just said, the argument, the only thing I would add to that is that oftentimes people will say, to, when referring to government, that if I ran my business that way, um, well, government is not a business, right? Government is government. So it runs differently. And, and usually, let's be honest, less efficiently. <laughs> but, but when it comes to something like this, a major capital project, um, no matter how you run it or define it, it has to be done better. Um, the problem here. The problem I I find with government contracts in general is that a lot of restrictions are placed upon them for various reasons, like whether it be a workman's comp or uh, occupational health and safety or Canadian content or, in a case like this, maybe it has to be a certain percentage-owned company, Alberta-owned. or They do all of these things for different reasons. It's like these bills in the States where, you know, they attach well we're going to build a wall as well and we'll attach that to this education bill and so it becomes very convoluted right and that's what happens with um, construction projects that government bids on and I bid on hundreds of them over the years with Algoma Steel, where you have to keep proving, Mm. you know, different aspects. Well, I hire at least this many people who are Canadian, and I I use these many suppliers. But as you do that, and you do those for very good reason, because you want to support Canadian industry, you want to make sure workers are safe, you want to make sure. But as you do that, you limit and limit and limit the number of companies that can actually bid on it until you end up with two companies or three companies, and you pick one of them, and it turns out, like Dell just said, it costs you ten times what it would have. Yeah, hope for the best. When yeah. you pick that company. Yeah. I mean, this company had never done this before. They've done rail type stuff before. They'd never done anything like this before. And the system they were installing, as Dell said, was not meant for a ground level LRT system.
1: Uh, Eileen Bell has your 330 news coming up on the other side. Todd Hirsch, that senior economist, chief economist over at ATB Financial, checks in, wants to talk about work trends for low wage and part-time employees. <laughs> Stick around.
0: The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at two on 630 Chad.